What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of True Crime Society Podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. Right now, at the time of recording, it is September 10th and 11th, 6.30 p.m., so remember that in case any breaking news comes out, as we say it always does. Yeah. Um, don't have a lot of personal life updates to talk about, really, which I'm sure some of you be thrilled about, because some of you don't care about our lives at all. Yeah. But... For those who do, nothing exciting is happening. Um, we're still in lockdown for another month. It's just, well, I haven't said a month. I know it will be a month <clears throat> until October 18, which is fun. I had resigned myself as going to happen, so it's not a shock. So anyway, at least the end is hopefully near because then we'll be yeah. 70 to 80% fully vaxxed and that is when they're all going to open apparently. So <laughs> I figure that's got to be the end. Yeah, you've gotten to the point where you've just accepted your suffering. Well, now I'm at the point where actually being out of lockdown would be weird. Like, yeah, <laughs> but you know, it takes ages to get used to it. And then now I'm just used to being lazy. <laughs> I know so. we've been, we've been like out of mostly out of like a real lockdown for a couple months now, but still sometimes I like be, cause we don't, some places you don't have to wear your mask and some you do, it just depends on the place really, or if you want to or not. Sometimes I'll like be in a place and I'll have like a sudden panic of like, I'm not wearing my mask. Oh my God. And I'm like, it's okay. You don't have to. Even the other day, the kids were in the car and I got in. I'm like, where's my mask? Where have you put my mask? It's <laughs> yeah. crazy. That was, I remember when it started, that was the worst trying to always have to remember them. I need to remember to wash. I have reusable masks, so I need to get better at washing them because it's pretty gross. <laughs> yeah. It makes your face oh. break out. Oh no. Anyway, I bought a nice silk mask because I thought that would be like, you know, a silk pillowcase that helps you. Ooh, luxury. <laughs> it's actually really nice because it's quite light. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's a proper medical mask or anything, but it's quite nice. So, yeah, something a bit Very different. Mi- mixing, mixing it up. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah, I mean, as far as that, that's all we have to say. But there was some pretty big updates, actually, with a case that a lot of people were following and have been following. Um, Gannon Stouk. That's how you say his last name, right? Yeah, we always remember Stouk, Stouch. Yeah, I'm sure it's Stouk. I always say Stouch in my head when I'm reading it because that's how it's spelled, but it's Stouk. Yeah. But um, if everyone Mm -hmm. remembers, he went missing in january of last year and he kind of had a crazy stepmom situation crazier than we knew at the time apparently um latisha stouk also known as t stouk she tried to tell police that he went off to a friend's house and she hasn't seen him since and then in march a couple months later they found his body in florida many miles away from colorado where this happened and she was arrested for his murder, but she had her preliminary hearing yesterday, and we got um, some new information, or at least more details about what was going on. Just as a reminder, T, she is facing charges of first-degree murder, child abuse resulting in death, tampering with a deceased body, and tampering with evidence. And she waived her right to appear in court this week. She said, I have confidence in my defense counsel, she said via a video feed from El Paso County. So... I was confused. That meant like she wasn't even watching via video, right? Well, I think it meant that she didn't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't actually know because I'm assuming that a lot of it was in video anyway, not in person. So I'm assuming that basically means she wasn't present. She didn't need to be there and didn't need to consult with her counsel about anything that was said on the day because she trusted them. 
It's just weird though, because they were like, "Well, she just doesn't want to be present for it." Like, okay. and I read that people thought that she was hiding from Gannon's parents. Like, I don't even think that it should be an option for you not to yeah. attend your own court hearing. You should have to like face the fucking music. Exactly, and so that's what everyone's saying. It's not that she, you know, had confidence in her counselor. It's that she was too scared to face everyone, which I think is probably the case as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think, like, the judge kind of tried to be passive-aggressive about it because he was like, and I want to make clear it's not because of any COVID-related issues. Like, obviously, she's on video, but still. Yeah, I thought that was kind of bullshit, but... Mm, Me too. At one point, T was going to represent herself as her own lawyer, but she changed her mind and realized that that was only something a complete dumbass would do, even though she (laughs) is, but at least she's smart enough to use a lawyer again because and there was all I, those times as well where she wasn't fit to stand trial so i think i read that there was two kind of continuances i don't know if that's the right word but you know basically they held off twice to make sure that she was competent now she is apparently so yeah and she also when she was going to represent herself she was like there's two pieces of evidence that will prove that she's innocent that science can't disprove so still haven't heard what that was yet but who knows we always knew that um gannon kind of had like a very violent death with a lot of blood because the crime scene photos of like the area came out and they showed where the blood was and stuff but we didn't know all the details around that so we got more information um this info is from gazette.com and they said A Florida medical examiner determined Gannon had a gunshot wound to his jaw, a skull fracture, a stab wound in his back, another in his chest, said Sergeant Yoder of the Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Office in Florida during the hearing. A bullet was found in Gannon's head and two more were recovered from his pillowcase, investigators said. A weapons expert determined those bullets matched the type of ammunition used in a gun found on the nightstand in T's bedroom. The gun had T's DNA on it, but also had DNA of at least two other people. And I think one of them was Al, it said. Yeah, which would make sense. It's probably like a family gun. A family gun. (laughs) But it said, um, when I was reading one of the journalist updates yesterday, it said hers was like the main prominent profile on it, meaning it was like on the top of the other DNA profiles. Mm -hmm. Um, So on the morning investigators believe Gannon was killed, T took two photos of him lying in bed. The bedding in those photos appears to be the same as the bedding that was found with Gannon's body in Florida. When it was recovered from inside of a suitcase, he was kind of like wrapped in the blankets and stuff from his bed that you could see in that picture. It sounds like she shot him while he was lying in bed or asleep in bed. Yeah, because it also said it was like under his jaw. So like mm. he was laying down, yeah. it seems. And then kind of she just like took the bedding and sheets and wrapped up wrapped his body up. and put it in a suitcase, I guess. So investigators discovered a blood stain on Gannon's bed, blood spatter on the wall nearby, and a large blood stain on the floor. The carpet itself appeared to have been cleaned, but the concrete underneath the carpet was stained. Um, DNA analysis conducted on the blood samples linked them to Gannon, and some of Gannon's blood was also found on T's shoe. Um, another law enforcement official, Kevin Clark, walked through the location data that showed T drove to Florida shortly after Gannon went missing and stayed in a hotel just three miles away from where the body was found. In the afternoon part of the hearing, a firearms expert believed the gun found on the nightstand was used to shoot Gannon because the bullet found lodged in his head was consistent with the ammunition used in the weapon. Um, And then also, I know that just like a talking point that I want to talk about, when T, like a lot of people are trying to decide how much T's daughter knew Harley, I think her name is, she's 17, because she 
Her mom asked her to buy cleaning supplies the day, which is what Lakes she used to... things like that, wasn't it? Yeah, and like baking soda and trash bags. And then she also went with her on the trip to Florida where Gannon's body would have been in the back in a suitcase. And then dump, she dumped the suitcase like with Harley in the car, I'm assuming. Yeah. Because she went with her from... They went from Colorado to Florida to um, like Myrtle Beach where T's family lives. I think people are arguing that she must have known something. She must, yeah, like, how could you not? Especially being mm. in the car with, like, a decomposing body, because it had already been some time before she actually went to Florida. And there's never been any talk of her being charged or of her being officially involved. I feel like if it goes to trial, she'll be forced to testify against her. Yeah. Because then on her instagram story nikki showed us that she said something about not having a voice like like she's not allowed to talk or she literally meant she doesn't have a voice for some reason <laughs> maybe she's got laryngitis <laughs> that's what i was wondering i was like imagine like she just like doesn't have a voice and we're all like oh, what does it mean maybe it means that she didn't get a chance to kind of tell her story in the preliminary hearing you know well and i'm also guessing that she's probably getting like messages from people because some people are like gannon stands and I'm sure people have said stuff to her, and she's probably not really allowed to say anything. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so the judge is going to make a ruling on if the case will go to trial on September 23rd. So we will have an update then. I'm assuming it's going to go to trial. Like, why wouldn't it? I guess the only reason would be, I wonder if there can be another holdup based on her mental health. I hope mm. not. Um, but I, yeah, if there's not, I would think definitely it would go to trial. This is, I said, I can't remember who I said it to the other day, but I feel like this one is more definitely going to trial than the Suzanne Morphew one. Yeah, because Suzanne, they don't even have a body. And that, yeah, they don't really have much actual evidence, whereas this one, they seem to have a whole suitcase literally of evidence. Yeah, and he's an idiot. <laughs> like, I just, I don't even know how she got away with it for so long. No, there's so many. It's the same with Crystal Rogers's partner. Like he doesn't seem like the sharpest tool in the shed. I wonder. I just can't believe that somehow these some people get away with it for a long time. Yeah, it's just like the stars align in their favor. <laughs> so that's really the only update we've got this week. We're going to talk about if you've heard of the cult. I guess you'd call it. It's basically like a glorified pyramid scheme that turned into a weird sex cult, Nexium. Um, you might not recognize it by that word, but it's capital N-X-I-V-M. It's a wanky name Nexium. for a wanky, wanky company. <laughs> yeah, so we decided we wanted to do some like celebrity Hollywood type stories. So we're going to start with this one and then either next week or the week after we're going to cover some reality tv murders and things like that so we're going to start with this one though if we understood the world and if we understood ourselves that's worth everything esp nexium is a methodology that allows people to optimize their behavior nexium is the umbrella company keith was the founder he was a legend our main belief is to have people experience more joy in their lives. It's a worldwide organization. When conventional solutions don't work, maybe the unconventional way of thinking does. I was looking around at all these people that just didn't seem joyful. I started to get concerned. There's a secret organization in Nixium. They sign a lifetime vow of obedience and they're branding girls. 
and they're trying to recruit other women to do this. I'm so strong. Like, you'd never be able to do what I just did. I always want to earn my authority. There's a lot of things about the organization. It's just not right. Our commitment is our power. You stay. There's no good way to leave. Ever. I have to expose what's going on. This has to be stopped. There are a group of people who are going to the press. We are filing criminal charges. You're branding my wife. Everybody is a blend of good and bad. We're playing some sort of game. Chances are I'm going to win. Nobody joins a cult. They join a good thing. Nexium was said to be basically a personal development company when it was founded in 1998. It was founded by two people, Keith. I've heard his name say said as two different ways, Keith Rainier or Ranieri. I've heard it a few different ways. I mean, we'll just stick with Rainier for this because that's easier, and I feel like that's more more likely to be it. Yeah, I think so too. So the company offered executive success programs, which they called ESP, and they offered a range of techniques for self improvement. Keith said that the main emphasis is to have people experience more joy in their lives. So it sounds flaky right from the start. When you see videos of Keith, he's the stereotypical leader. Like, you know, he looks you direct in the eyes and doesn't drop his gaze. Like, he's a real, he's creepy. He's a real creep. It reminds me of like, um, almost like a mega church pastor. Yes, 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 exactly like that. So during these seminars that they held, the students would call Keith Vanguard and they would call Nancy Prefect. There's an article by The Hollywood Reporter and they wrote that Keith got the name Vanguard from the 1981 video game, which was also called Vanguard, which is about in which the destruction of, one, of one's enemies increased one's own power. So Nancy is thought to have been the first student for Nexium and Keith was the was you know the teacher he was always the teacher as the years went on Keith Ranieri does not immediately look like the kind of person who you would associate as a sort of bigger than life you see a photo of him and it's sort of hard to imagine how he could hold a room and be this big charismatic figure. But the story we heard again and again is that he has an ability to make you feel like you're the only person in the room. He has an ability to listen really intently. And that was one of the strong draws for people who wanted, who had come to him for their personal development, for their personal growth. You felt like this guy got you. You felt like he was able to help you. You felt like he saw you in a way that most people couldn't see you. So I think that was really at the center of his charisma and his charm. In the first five years following the establishment of the program, over 3,700 people had taken part and there was a lot of quite well-known people that actually took part. I saw an interview, which we'll put a clip in later, and Ellen DeGeneres is one person who said that she was kind of aware of the program. There was businesswoman Sheila Johnson, former Surgeon General Antonia Novello, uh, Enron executive Stephen Cooper, Anna Christina Fox, who's the daughter of former Mexican President is it Vicente Fox. There's also yeah. Richard Branson was involved, but he has denied taking the classes, which I don't blame him. Um, there's a whole bunch of actresses, which we'll get into. And then there was billionaire businessman Edgar Bronfman. His daughters, Claire and Sarah, actually became really, really involved with Nexium, and we'll go into that in a little bit. But like a lot of high-profile, very wealthy people were involved. I feel like celebrities always get 
involved in shit like this, like even like Scientology and stuff, just because yeah. they're always looking for the new trendy thing to talk about to like have like you know what I mean? Like they just want to be involved with like the new cool thing. Say like, like they did it first. And then they like, realize it's crazy and they're like, mm, never mind. I feel like this is kind of the losers Scientology. <laughs> they're all losers. <laughs> it's, but the, yeah. it's the we have Scientology at home. <laughs> Um, so we don't actually really know a whole lot about what these seminars involved because there was a lot of non-disclosure agreements. I read an interview with cult investigator Alan Ross, and he said that basically the Nexium program was essentially expensive brainwashing. Forbes magazine seemed to take issue with the company really early on, as early as 2003. They started publishing quite critical articles about it. Keith was a bit pissed as he expected the first article from Forbes to be positive, and it wasn't. Forbes spoke with Edgar Bronfman, who we just spoke about earlier, and his involvement of his daughters in the company. Edgar said he believed Nexium was a cult and that he was troubled by his daughter's emotional and financial investment in it. In 2006, Forbes published an article about the Bronfman sisters again and said that they had taken out a line of credit to loan Nexium $2 million, which was repayable through personal training sessions and phone consultations with Keith. And then there was another article by Forbes in 2010, which discussed the financial failings of the Bronfman sisters and they made investments based on Keith's advice. So the Bronfmans put a lot of money into this. So Um, they're... They're like the queen morons. <laughs> yeah. yeah <exactly>. <laughs> so as the years went on, more and more high-profile people became involved. There was a Canadian actress called Kristen, I think it's Kruk, K-R-E-U-K. Yeah, Kruk. Kruk. She signed up with the company in 2006. Um, she travelled to Vancouver around this time and she enlisted another actor to join. This actress was Alison Mack and she's best known for her portrayal of Chloe Sullivan on 10 Years of Smallville. Um, Kristen was also in Smallville. Their characters were friends on the show. So you can kind of see here this is almost typical pyramid scheme behavior where they enlist bring other a friend. people. Yeah, bring a friend. <laughs> so it's rumored that Allison got into a relationship with Nancy Salzman's daughter. So Nancy was the one who kind of started the company with Keith. Nancy Salzman's daughter, Lauren, and she, she was, you know, an enthusiastic supporter of the company. Kristen ended up leaving Nexium in 2013. She came out a few years later when the shit kind of hit the fan, (laughs) saying that she left because it was not the self-help group that she was led to believe it was. I remember when it it was first happening, people tried to be like, well, Kristen Couric was in it too. And she was like, no, 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 no. She was like, (laughs) I left. (laughs) Um, So Alison was so into Nexium that when she finished filming Smallville after the 10 years, she moved to Clifton Park, New York, so that she could be closer to the head base, which I think was in Albany, New York. Yeah, and I I looked it up, and I've been to Albany a few times. It's like such a fucking dumpy area. It's the weirdest (laughs) place to be like, well... This is our base. <laughs> Probably they could afford a massive place there if it's, you know, a dumpy area. But, and then if you, like, look up where his house was, where they would have, well, like, part that we're going to talk about later, where they'd have, like, the dose meetings or whatever. Yeah. It's literally, like, townhouses, like, condominiums in a development. <laughs> um, so the company clearly had many critics over the years, and the Bronfman sisters did not like this one bit. In 2008, they pressured Stephen Herberts, who was kind of a confidant of their father, 
to ask the Albany County District Attorney David Soares, the New York Governor Elliot Spitzer and New York Attorney General Anne Milgram to begin a criminal investigation into the critics of Nexium. They kept files on all different, you know, the Soares, Spitzer, political consultant Roger Stone, US Senator Chuck Schumer, Albany Times Union publisher George Randolph Hearst in a box in the basement of Nancy Solzman's house. According to the Times Union article about this, Nexium developed a reputation for aggressively pursuing critics and defectors who broke from its ranks, including using litigation to punish critics of Rainier, the organisation or its training methods. So basically they didn't want anyone to be bad-mouthing them anywhere, online, mm-hmm. publicly, and they would go after anyone who did. So Nexium over the years has been described as a pyramid scheme, a sex trafficking operation, a cult, and a sex cult. There's a 2010 Times Union article and they spoke to former Nexium coaches and they characterised students as prey for Keith's sexual or gambling-related proclivities. Kristen Keefe, who was a longtime partner of Keith, Keith has so many Ks, Kristen Keefe, <laughs> <For Keith. what? laughs> so she was Keith's longtime partner. They had a kid together, left the group in 2014, and she said that he was dangerous. She also said that all the worst things you know about Nexium are true. So in 2017, there was an investigative reporter named Frank Parletto. He started looking into the company. There was information that started to come out about, I'm probably going to butcher this, but it's Dominus Obsequious Sororium, which is a secret. I think that's, I think that's it. I did it in the right job. Yeah. (laughs) Which was basically a secret sisterhood. This is referred to in the media as DOS, DOS, D-O-S anyway. So I'll probably say DOS. That's how I've said it in my head the whole time. Um, was uncovered. So DOS was formed in 2015 within Nexium, and basically there was female members in this secret sisterhood and they were branded with the initials of Keith and Nancy and they were subjected to corporal punishment from their masters and required to provide nude photos or other potentially damaging information about themselves as, quote, collateral. So there's some photos of the branding which we'll put up online. Um, So there's actual proof of these things happening. Canadian actress Sarah Edmondson was part of Nexium from 2005 until 2017, so 12 years. She left the organisation after she was inducted into DOS by Alison Mack. Sarah alleged that participants were blindfolded naked, held down by Alison and three other women, and branded using a cauterising pen by the Nexium-affiliated Dr. Danielle Roberts. Sarah spoke to ABC News about some of her experiences, and we've got a clip of her talking here. We are told the rendezvous was a secret. Five women summoned to a house outside Albany, New York, one night this past March. Sarah Edmondson says she was one of them, willingly participating in a strange initiation ritual led by a woman who told everyone to take off their clothes and put on a blindfold. Let us in blindfolded and sat us in a semicircle, buck naked, no clothes, on a sheepskin rug. Edmondson told authorities that she thought they were going to get tattoos. Instead, she says, they found out they were all going to be branded. What was that like? It was worse than childbirth. Imagine a hot laser dragged across your flesh for 30 minutes without anesthetic. At this point, you're probably wondering how in the world did this happen? Sarah seems so normal. She lives in Vancouver, where she is a wife and mother with a successful film and television career. 
But her life changed after she crossed paths with a secretive self-help group called Nexium and its charismatic leader, Keith Raniere. I'm an interesting person, I'm a controversial person, but most importantly, I'm an unconventional person. According to promotional materials, even as a child, Ranieri was destined for greatness. Speaking in full sentences at age one, reading at age two, judo champ and concert-level pianist at 13. I was told that he was one of the smartest men in the world and just an incredible man. With that, I'm going to uh, pass the microphone over to Mr. Neary. So incredible it seems that an ordinary name just won't do. Participants say they're taught to call Ranieri Vanguard. Vanguard. Yes. Vanguard is the name that we refer to uh, Keith as because he is a leader of a philosophical movement. So after Sarah's, Sarah Edmondson's claims were made public, hundreds of members started to cut their ties with Nexium, and this seemed to kind of be the beginning of the end for the company. There's a really, Rolling Stone did a whole bunch of really good articles about this case, and in one they interviewed a woman named Nicole. <clears throat> so some of this info is from that Rolling Stone article. Nicole was in a dark place. She moved to New York to pursue an acting career, but was unable to secure hardly any auditions and could hardly pay her bills. She emailed her friend, Alison Mack, which was a very unfortunate friend to email, looking for, some, friend. <laughs> looking for some support. Nicole said, I looked up to her. She had a lot of discipline and had reached a certain level in her career. So the two who had met initially when Nicole took one of Alison's acting classes in 2015, Nicole paid $8,000 for the five-week course, which was called Source. So this was kind of to be her first introduction into the Nexium gang. In this email, Nicole told Alison how she was struggling, depressed, and suicidal. She said she had something that she thought would fix how I was feeling. It was going to make everything better, Nicole said. Alison described it as a really cool women's mentorship program for women who were serious <laughs> really? about being strong women. There's lots of women in this. <laughs> in this women quote. who like women and being women. <laughs> But there was one condition, Nicole said, if I wanted to get more information on this mentorship, I would have to provide collateral. So this is the collateral that we mentioned briefly before. Basically, if you wanted to join DOS, you had to provide nude or sexually explicit photos or humiliating testimonials. Nicole didn't really know what this collateral was, so she agreed to meet with Alison at a New York City hotel to discuss the mentorship. At this meeting, she was invited to join an intense, growing empowerment group where women were pushing each other to be stronger physically, mentally, intellectually, so they could live the kind of life they wanted to. Allison then told Nicole about the group, which was then called The Vow, as a mentorship organization encouraged to, intended to encourage women to become resilient and self-sufficient, the harder, stronger, smarter, more badass versions of themselves. This basically sounds like any pyramid multi-level marketing thing at the moment, yeah. too. Boss babes. Is this Mona? Like <laughs> at this meeting too, Alison finally kind of elaborated on the collateral that was needed to join. She told Nicole that she had to provide a sexually explicit video of herself, as well as letters that would hurt her family members or ruin her career if she ever kind of went against the DOS teachings. I know that there's other cults that do that too, but just because I did a lot of studying on Jonestown, Jonestown did the same exact thing. Well, not same exact thing, but they had the people um, sign their name on blank pieces of paper. And then when Jim Jones was like mad at them or wanted to punish them or something or wanted to blackmail them, they would just like write something on that piece of paper. Like I murdered my brother or like I had an affair with so-and-so and then their name would just be signed on the bottom of it. So even back in the seventies, 
they were doing some version of this. So I guess Nicole said that she didn't really know what to write as her collateral or whatever. So Alison told her to kind of fake a letter saying that her father had molested her as a child. Nicole was obviously not comfortable with this, but Alison said the letters were only intended as an exercise of trust. And she said, don't you want to be the kind of person who trusts someone? It's also weird how like all these people are saying they looked up to Alison Mack and that she was like so far in her career. I've after Smallville, she was like in nothing. I don't know. Smallville was like a stupid TV show. Like I watched it when it was out. I mean, it was pretty good. It was just like a regular ABC family type show. But after that, she was in nothing notable. Never heard from her again. She might have been in some shitty movies, but that's it. The only time I've ever heard of her is in relation to this. And they're like, actress Alison Mack. And like, I've never watched an episode of Smallville in my life. So I wouldn't know. And she wasn't the main character in Smallville. (laughs) The other girl, um, Kristen, she was the main character. And then Alison was just like her friend, like the funny, like sidekick friend. Yeah, like when they look up to these, I guess it gives you a kind of insight into the vulnerability of these people. If they were looking up to someone who had a me, maybe a moderate or medium level of career, I wouldn't even say success, maybe career security because she had a stable job for 10 years. Yeah, I was going to um, say, I don't even think she'd be like a D-list celebrity no. at that point. She'd be, yeah, exactly. So Nicole agreed to join DOS, um, but she soon very, you know, felt very uncomfortable. She said that she was required to be available to check in with Allison at all times in exercises known as readiness drills and that she had to refer to Allison as master. She was also told that she had to stay celibate for three months. The intensity of the group, you know, made her really uneasy. She said, I had decided DOS just wasn't for me. But when she told Allison she wanted to leave, Nicole was told that leaving DOS wasn't an option and that the group was a lifetime commitment, noting that at one point her own master had threatened to release her collateral if she didn't get her act together. It's the choice you made. What are you going to do about it? Which is what an email from Allison said to Nicole. They read that out in court. Who did they release the collateral to? Like, if this is some random girl. Like a nobody. Yeah, Nicole from Iowa. And they're like, we have this letter saying that you wrote that your dad molested you. Who are they showing? Like, who fucking cares? But, you know, I guess Nicole couldn't kind of see the absurdity of that. And she was stuck. She couldn't see any way to leave DOS. Um, Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want that to get out either if I was, like, in that situation. Because it's it's embarrassing that you even did it is more so what would get to me. I think a lot of the times it's like, yeah, like what you said, the humiliation, which is why a lot of people stay in these type of yeah. toxic relationships. Same with like domestic abuse too. Yeah. So during the time that she was kind of stuck with DOS, she was asked to seduce Keith. She was blindfolded, tied down and told to have oral sex with someone whose identity would be kept a secret from her. So she never knew who this person was. She was subject to physical punishments and was made to pose for close-up genital photos. So Alison and Keith were in a sexual relationship during this time and Alison was his slave. And because Nicole was kind of then also in a sexual relationship with Keith, Alison became aware of this. She said to Nicole, isn't it so cool that Keith is working on my sexuality through you? What's even mean? So Keith told Nicole that the goal of DOS in general was to erode a woman's autonomy in order to build strength and obedience in them. As Nicole testified in court how Keith explained it, he said he needed to break me in order to build me back up into a strong woman. That's literally like the slogan of every fucking cult. Yeah. So we're at now at 2016 and things kind of started to intensify in DOS. Alison recruited three other slaves, including dynasty actress Catherine Oxenberg's daughter, India. And we've got a clip from them, which we'll put in a bit later. So they were quite 
prolific in DOS for a little while. The women were required to attend weekly church meetings on Monday night where they'd all sit on the floor while Alison would sit on the couch and reprimand them. The women all had nicknames. Nicole's was The Brat, and many of them were required to adhere to strict low-calorie diets. Alison at one point was only eating 500 calories a day, and she weighed 107 pounds. Nicole said that Alison sometimes said Keith wouldn't care about her if she gained weight. Like a fucked up sorority. I know, I know. It's messed up. The, all the slaves were required to have a group family photo before, before church every week, which sounds kind of wholesome, except the only catch was that they were all nude in their group weekly family photos. I hate it. So we spoke about the branding quickly before, but that happened in 2017 when Nicole and the other slaves were branded. Some say that they were branded with Keith's initials and others say it was a symbol representative of the four elements, earth, air, wind, and fire. Alison told Nicole during the branding that pain is love and you show your love to your master by pain. So Nicole finally mustered up the courage to leave DOS in spring 2017 and she basically decided that whatever the collateral was, she was willing to risk it just to get out. Alison, though, must have had a bit of a change of heart around this time because she told Nicole that if she left, none of the collateral would be released. And to this date, none of this alleged collateral of any of the slaves has been released, which is one, you know, upside or positive to this whole mess. I lost it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was probably nothing. Like, yeah, like what you said, they realised what are we going to release, what's really going to yeah. come of this. So the case, as we've you know been mentioning, eventually went to court and Nicole was clear that her relationship with Keith and Alison and that with Doss in general had caused her nothing but pain. She said things would get normalised and slowly become more intense, which is kind of why she stayed. She likened her slow immersion into the group, into the process of boiling a frog. If you put a frog in hot water, they jump out. If you put a frog in cold water and slowly turn the heat up, they just boil to death. So I think it's that, you know, that makes sense. It's you get into a situation you don't realise how bad it is until you either A, get out or have some type of realisation about what is going on. Mm -hmm. So um, Catherine and India Oxenberg appeared on the Ellen Show, which we just mentioned as well, to discuss their experience. It's a really long clip, so I'll put a little bit of it in, but it's quite interesting and they speak about how they came across Nexium and how they kind of got sucked in and what their experience was. So I'll put the whole thing on the blog if you want to check it out. You too. Hello, hello. Uh, nice to meet you. Uh, sorry, it's uh, because of a situation th right. like this that happened to you. Um, it, for those of you, how many people know what Nexium is? Have you heard about this cult? That uh, okay, a lot of people don't, oh. which I'm surprised because there was a documentary, and now you have your documentary, which I think is really insightful. But explain what Nexium is to people if they don't know. Well, Nexium proposed themselves as a self-help organization when really it was a criminal organization masking as personal growth. And Nexium was the umbrella company. Yeah. So there were a lot of little companies underneath that umbrella. And Executive Success Programs was the one that we were introduced to. Right, EESP, which yeah. I had heard about ESP. A lot of people were doing that, and, yeah. and I had no idea that it started with ESP. So yeah. that's how you first got involved, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Right. So you, you take her because you're both interested in spiritual growth. Actually, a trusted friend kept calling me and saying, this program is going to change your life. And she was incredibly insistent. And what we didn't realize in retrospect, she was recruiting us. From someone you trusted yes. and you thought, well, it's... And when you, when you start listening to it, when you, it, it was like, oh, well, some of that stuff makes sense. It starts really slow. Yeah. And then it, 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 you, you stopped going, right? I was a student 
I was taking classes. She got sucked in more. They, she became a coach. I wasn't interested. And then at one point, I was handed an article um, basically alleging that he was a pedophile. And I was, that was the moment that I was like, okay, I'm out of here. And I told her. And, but by that time, India's response was was that I was only having good experiences so right. far. So I didn't have anything to base it off of. Like, these people had become my friends, and I trusted them, and they were kind of my authority figures at that point. I mean, I was 19 years old, looking for direction and structure, and I thought that this program was going to give me that. All the people who were kind of involved with Nexium started getting arrested and charged around 2019. In April 2019, Alison Mack pleaded guilty to one count of racketeering and one count of racketeering conspiracy. She cried in court and said that she took full responsibility for her conduct. She made a statement and she apologized. She said, I'm very sorry for the victims of this case. I'm very sorry for who I hurt through my misguided adherence to Keith Renew's teaching. She also admitted that she kept a slave and instructed women in the group to perform services for me. And she confirmed that members were required to provide naked photos of themselves and other blackmail material before joining. So days before she was sentenced, she released another statement, and she said that her involvement in Nexium was the biggest mistake and regret of her life, and she expressed remorse in regards to those affected. Her attorneys asked for no jail time <laughs> because of her remorse and her cooperation She's with sorry. Keith. I'm sorry, so no jail for you. Her cooperation with Keith's prosecution, but the judge didn't really like that. And on June 30, 2021, Allison was sentenced to three years in federal prison and was ordered to pay a fine of $20,000. Pretty low fine. Yeah, pretty low fine. Keith was arrested around the same time as Allison. He was charged with sex trafficking, sex trafficking conspiracy, and conspiracy to commit forced labor. So it took them a while to kind of track him down, and they finally did, and they found him in a luxury villa near Puerto Vallada in Mexico, and he was hiding in a closet, <laughs> which <laughs> seems about on par with his, you know, weaselly personality. Yeah, he's a coward. He'd been living, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd been living with several women in Mexico who were part of Nexium. As he was placed in the back of a police car and taken away, the women chased after the police car. So like very so, Charles Manson and the family. Yeah. So the United States attorney, Richard Donahue, said that Ranieri, Rainier created a secret society of women with whom he had sex and branded his initials, coercing them with the threat of releasing their highly personal information and taking their assets. Keith Ranieri, the leader of the little-known wellness cult the world has now come to know as Nexium. I'm very devilish, and I, I think I'm probably the worst coach in the world because I, I'm just a demon. Ranieri may seem charming and harmless, but when he's arrested in Mexico on June 19, 2019, rumors of Keith Ranieri's sinister intentions come to light. The leader of an alleged sex cult has been arrested in Mexico. Keith Rainier is expected to face a judge in Texas today. He's charged with federal sex trafficking. One rumor? Supposedly, Ranieri could control his followers with just the sound of his voice. In interacting with you, with the Tourette's, I was wondering how I was coming across. After a certain amount of time, I had overcome Tourette's syndrome. That was incredible. There was a woman, a woman named Camilla who testified at the trial and said that she'd been abused by Keith since she was 15 and he was 45. They had a 12-year relationship and she said that Keith expected her to be available for sex at all hours. 
He ordered her to weigh less than 100 pounds and directed her to get an abortion. She said that she attempted suicide once. In October 2020, Keith was sentenced to 125 years in prison. The judge also ordered him to pay a $1.75 million fine. Better fine. Yeah, much more appropriate. Judge Nicholas Garufus, I think it is, of Federal District Court in Brooklyn determined the punishment after hearing hours of testimony from 15 victims, many who described how Keith had left them traumatized and brainwashed. Keith has still been causing trouble, even from jail. He still attempts to kind of maintain his leadership over Nexium. He communicates with whoever the followers that are left are by a phone. He instructed his followers to get the assistance of Alan Dershowitz, who was an attorney who also successfully negotiated the non-prosecution of Jeffrey Epstein, which should give you a bit of a clue as to this person. He gave false names of people he was allegedly calling to prison officials and call recipients employed burner phones in an attempt to avoid detection. In one instance, Keith instructed a follower to get scrutiny on the judge, explaining that the judge needed to know he's being watched. Imagine, like, having this confidence. Like I know, still after being in jail for 120 years. And then, like, doing it from a jail phone in jail, threatening the judge. There's a good investigation discovery um, documentary called The Lost Women of Nexium. The whole thing's on YouTube, so I'll put it in the block. And basically, they did an investigation into Keith's kind of life. They found that many of his former lovers died in strange circumstances. Gina Hutchison was found with a gunshot to the head. Kristen Snyder disappeared and was last seen at a Nexium event. His living girlfriends, Barbara Jeske and Pam Kafritz, both died from what was diagnosed as cancer at the time, but is alleged to have actually been subtle poisoning. Rainier's partner, Kristen Keefe, who we mentioned earlier, survived cervical cancer. In 2009, Rainier was filmed and he said, I've had people killed because of my beliefs. According to that program, a woman who lived with Rainier developed bladder cancer and she submitted a hair sample and it said that the sample showed evidence of bismuth and barium, both at dangerous levels. So, Very Laurie Vallow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe I'm surprised he hasn't hooked up with Laurie Vallow. They should, they should look um, into some of those deaths again, maybe like they're doing with Laurie and Chad. So the others who were involved with Nexium were also punished. The doctor that we spoke about earlier, Danielle Roberts, in 2020, the State Department of Health's Board of Professional Medical Conduct brought disciplinary charges against Danielle Roberts, who was the doctor who branded the women. They accused her of practicing medicine with gross incompetence, gross negligence, morally unfit conduct, practicing fraudulently or beyond the the scope, performing services not authorized by the patient and failing to maintain records. So they're going to, they said that she branded 13 slaves. She also failed to report a flu-like communicable disease outbreak that that severely infected attendees at a 2016 Nexium event. Um, They had 438 people at this event, including 76 children. So I guess she kind of forgot to report that. She faces the possibility of losing her medical license or at least having it suspended. I would hope so. Yeah, me too. There was a medical license of Brandon Porter, who was another Nexium member. His medical license was also revoked, and that was because he conducted human brain activity experiments. So that sounds... What does that even mean? I don't know. Claire Bronfman, who was one of the rich daughters that we spoke about before, she spent over $100 million of her dad's money to sue the critics of Nexium. She was sentenced oh. to six years. I bet dad's pissed off about that. I'd be pissed. I'm pissed <laughs> off about it. I'm like... <laughs> I'm just like, 
scraping to get by over here and this bitch is spending a hundred billion dollars on like a glorified mlm um so she was sentenced to six years in prison as of 22nd of march this year 2021 she was imprisoned at fdc philadelphia which is a temporary in transit federal prison which is usually used to house inmates prior to court proceedings um her federal bureau of prisons inmate number is 91010053 and she has a scheduled release date of 29th of june 2026 coming up um so nancy Solzman, who was kind of the ringleader with keith she was actually just sentenced this past week in september 21 2021 for her involvement in nexium in a brooklyn court this on wednesday this week nancy said that she was horrified and shamed to have ever promoted keith her attorney said she now appreciates the full weight of her wrongdoing while she served as keith's collaborator and enabler of the cult The judge, though, has said that Nancy left trauma and destruction on her victims during her time with Nexium. Nancy was sentenced to uh, 42 months in prison, but interestingly, she doesn't have to go to prison straight away. She will be free until January 19, 2022. I did read some articles that said she's suffering from a medical condition that I guess they want her to recover from, but then I've also read that she's caring for her ailing mother. So they kind of gave her a bit of a leave pass for a few months to get everything sorted which is nice mm. for her. Her daughter, Lauren Salzman, avoided any prison time. She was sentenced to five years probation, 300 hours of community service and credit for time served while under house arrest. Lauren was the only Nexium co-defendant to testify against Keith in court and was the first to cooperate with the prosecutors. They've said that she played a critically important role in putting Keith behind bars and they asked the judge to grant her a lenient sentence. During the trial, Lauren said that she herself had been manipulated by Keith and she also had a child with him. The final participant in Nexium will be sentenced in October this year. Company bookkeeper Kathy Russell admitted to visa fraud and she faces six months in prison. In February 2014, Kathy presented a false letter to the US consulate in Mexico. The letter that I submitted was required to be filed by immigration laws. I know what I did was wrong and I'm very sorry for the trouble I have caused. I compromised my own principles and will have to live with that for the rest of my life. So we'll keep you kind of updated on her sentencing. In regards to the other Bronfman daughter or sister, Sarah Bronfman, she was never accused of really any wrongdoing. I'm guessing she was more of kind of a passive participant. So there's no, she was never sentenced. She was never put in jail um, and she's kind of, yeah, very put herself quite a distance from her sister and the rest of, you know, the gang. Sarah, it says, can still make money off the Nexium property that she owns. In December 2019, she agreed to give up her ownership interest in Nexium's Albany properties in exchange for a 20% share of their sale after federal forfeiture. So she seems to me maybe one of the only ones who's kind of made an actual, uh, she probably hasn't made a profit. Well, she probably hasn't made a profit considering how much they allegedly spent, but she might Mm. get some of her money back. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I just want, so you can find the Nexium um, website on the Wayback Machine. It's gone down now, but the last page of it, it says, important message to our members. It is with deep sadness that we inform you we are su- suspending all Nexium ESP enrollment curriculum and events until further notice. We will be in touch with more information for anyone currently enrolled in upcoming events and programs. While we are disappointed by the interruption of our operations, We believe it is warranted by the extraordinary circumstances facing the company at this time. We continue to believe in the value and importance of our work and look forward to resuming our efforts when these allegations are resolved. So 
<laughs> Even to the end, they I guess they believed in what they were trying to peddle and sell and do to everyone. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah. So I tried to kind of have a look um, and see if I could find any stats or statistics totally relevant to this. The cult data that I found is a little bit more general. I found an interesting article titled The Psychology of the Cult Experience. A little, It's a little bit older, but there was a professor of psychology from the University of California at Berkeley called Margaret Singer, and she estimated that there are two and a half to 3,000 cults in the United States with dozens of small cults too numerous to keep track of. The number of cult members nationally is variously estimated at 300,000 to 3 million. So this is a little bit older, so I'm assuming there's probably more than that now, especially with the kind of rise of social media and the availability of access to cults i would think it's probably easier now to join a cult i feel like literally like mlms some of them are like cults mm. like lularoe when it was at its peak i would say that's very cult like and even when you see the behavior now that like we've been chatting in our little true crime the chat group about and um the paparazzi convention where they're all going and totally flouting covid safe even like laws and rules, they just don't think it applies to them. Yeah. There was one I saw from Monat where there was 11 women in a six, like a car that was meant to fit six people and they were all laughing. They all tagged each other and they're like, look at us. Like they, they were, you know, I know it's a minor thing, but they're breaking the law. They're posting on social media. They've got no regard for their safety or anyone else's safety. Also social distancing. <laughs> so it's. I feel like there's just so much... More, I feel like I, all I feel, morons. That's what it is. Like I, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I just, <laughs> but like they all like think. I'm talking about like the MLMs and all that. Like not like the real like serious cults. Like I understand they take like advantage of um, naive people, and I'm sure these girls are also naive in a way, and they're manipulated. But it's like they think they're literally untouchable. These like yeah. groups that COVID can't touch them, like dangerous things can't touch them, that they're just like God can't touch them. Even um, with the paparazzi convention, so there's a whole big backstory and a whole big blow up, but basically they had held a big convention in Las Vegas where they did no social distancing, no masks, you know, not even an attempt to kind of be safe. And so far 12 people who attended the convention have died from COVID after they've gone home. They've been on planes where they were sick and they knew, you know, they shouldn't have been traveling, all these different type of things. And, like, they asked one of the convention, I think someone who lost their mother from it, and they're like, was it worth it? And she said yes. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I guess it's, like, the brainwashing. And I guess a lot of people who do start joining MLMs are usually, like, desperate for money in a way or some sort of income and they're convinced that like they're gonna have this business because you know five out of a thousand people end up making money out of it and i saw that actually with um what's her name sharky alexa shark (laughs) yeah she was one of the people that like i guess actually like would go on trips and like made an okay amount of money from it i don't actually know how much money she ended up making i i suspect a lot of hers was smoke and mirrors as well she like she lived in a tiny apartment yeah disclaimers on her photos did yeah. you ever notice that when like it was said, something this is not like, typical or something yeah like yeah. the success is not typical for <laughs> most people i was like all right well thanks for letting us know at least it's funny because i've actually written in my notes that basically every study i've seen about cults and i guess also about you know multi-level marketing companies suggest that people who join them are vulnerable and seeking fulfillment <laughs> yeah <laughs> Which, so I found another article titled Cults in America, and it suggests that people who join cults, and I guess MLMs, 
They are, have a high level of stress or dis- dissatisfaction, a lack of self-confidence. They're gullible. They desire to belong to a group. They're naive idolists. They fulf- uh, they're looking for fulfillment, which, you know, they're looking for the company or the cult to provide them with something. They're culturally disillusioned and they're spiritually searching and frustrated. So I feel like that, even though it's a very general, it seems that was a lot, you know, the case in Nexium. you know, these women were very stressed looking for something to kind of fulfill them, looking for career advancement. So I feel like that is applicable definitely to Nexium and to all the ones that were spoken about as well. It just shows how gross the people who create these MLMs are because you're literally preying on usually women in bad situations, like single moms with kids that like don't have an income, that are desperate and they just get taken advantage of. And then usually in the end, they're left worse off than they were at the start. Like I remember when LuLaRoe kind of fell apart, there were so many people who were just like out so much money because of course, like to get into it, you have to spend the money to buy the product, sell it. And then if you don't sell it, like you're just SOL. It's crazy. There's a really good Instagram account that we've been following or I have been following called the MLM Boss Babe. And she's kind of outing all their, um, the MLM's disgusting behavior. <laughs> so it's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Like even those women who are the boss babes and there's 11 of them in the car and she's like, why are they all shoved into a car? If they're such boss babes, can't they get an Uber? Can't they, you know, why are they well, all? And it's also sh- like, how they're like, I'm working from Disney World today. It's like, I don't want to work if I'm at Disney World. Or like, I'm working from the beach. <laughs> if I'm at the beach, I don't want to work. And then even like she's put up a photo. There's a stock photo of just some random guy. It says, what are our customers saying? That there is no other program that competes with the VIP program. And I'm pretty sure you've got to pay to be in the Manat VIP program. So I don't know. It's so strange. I guess it's, you know, that people can pay their way into these cut clubs and cults and organizations. It's it is something, I don't know, it's, it must provide some type of validation for them that they're amongst other winners and I don't know. I just or even don't. some people just want, like, friends. Yeah, I agree. I would think, especially for Monat and all the, like, the, the more MLM companies, a lot of these women are lonely and looking for a way to make some type of income for whatever Maybe reason. Maybe at least when they come out of it, they've made some friends. Yeah. Um, I looked up some things because, you know, everyone's always like, I would never get stuck in a cult. But like sometimes people get stuck in a cult and you don't even know it. And one day you wake up and you're in a cult. So I looked up tips on how to identify cults. So these are six tips from an expert on how to know if something is a cult. So number one is beware of any kind of pressure. That's probably the single most important advice I can give anyone. Any kind of pressure to make a quick decision about becoming involved in any intensive kind of activity or organization. So kind of like an example of how Allison Mack was pressuring that girl, Nicole, to like do that collateral damage thing like right then and there. Next one is be wary of any leader who proclaims him or herself as having special powers or special insight and, of course, divinity. I feel like that's every single cult leader has yeah, some, some sort of. Yeah. Even... Yeah, like Charles Manson, Jim Jones, mm. even not that Lori Vallow or any of them had a cult, but whenever anyone's trying to influence people, they're always like, well, God told me. But Lori Vallow, even though she yeah, didn't have a cult, she had all those people following her, like all those ex-husbands, her brother, you know, she had yeah. some type of magnetism for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Next is the group is closed. So in other words, although there may be outside followers, there's mm-hmm. usually an inner circle that follows the leader without question. And that maintains a tremendous amount of secrecy. So that was clearly seen with Nexium too. And even with what we're just talking about with Monat, with their VIP, like that's kind of an inner circle 
even though it's not really, but it leads people to believe it is, it is an inner circle that no one, you know, or it's like exclusive and the ones with like the most Instagram followers that like go on the trips and <laughs> make money. They're the ones that recruit the other people who yeah. usually don't get to that level of success. The group uses deceptive means typically to recruit new members. And then once recruited, will subject its members to an organized program of thought reform or what most refer to as brainwashing. Typically, cults also exploit their members, mostly financially within the group. They'll exploit members financially, psychologically, emotionally, and all too often sexually. And a very important aspect of cult is the idea that if you leave the cult, horrible things will happen to you. This is important, and it's important to realize that people outside of a cult are potential members, so they're not looked upon as negatively as people inside the cult who then leave the cult. So we pretty much saw all of those things with Nexium. Yeah. So if you're ever wondering if you're in a cult, refer to those six tips. I'd love to know more about um, kind of the progression of Nexium because it seems like the DOS and the VAL stuff didn't happen straight away. So I wonder how maybe his ego just got, you know, so built up over the years that he thought he could get away with that. Yeah, I think that he recruited so many people who were following his weird practices or whatever that then he was like well i could probably make them do anything and then once he got a few of them to do it just kept started being like i could probably brand these people (laughs) which is insane like i would never let someone brand me just because mostly i'm a pussy and and, like that fucking hurts (laughs) oh no but why would you ever uh, uh, i don't know i guess it just shows how vulnerable and brainwashed these people were yeah i'm supposed to be cursing less but i didn't (laughs) um i i really encourage everyone i'll put some videos of keith up on the blog go and watch him um because he's a real creep like you can i I was gonna say before he's like gross i've met people like him before like he's not actually horrific looking he just looks like an old creepy man like you know he's it's fine but i've met people like him (laughs) you know like i'm i'm not like he's not you wouldn't look at him and say oh my god he's disfigured or he's horrendous he just looks like a normal kind of sleazy man but (laughs) i've met people like him before and you know they just make you feel really uncomfortable yeah that's i can just imagine if you met him you'd have to like think oh just go and wash your hands after (laughs) that reminds i on reddit i found an ama of someone who used to be in nexium they were answering questions from people and someone asked them what was it about Keith that attracted so many women? Was it charisma, looks? I'm just puzzled by how women would brand their own flesh for a person. And she said, great question, re Keith's attraction. I've asked myself this as well. I think it has to do with the, mag- the magnet quality of deeply troubled and disturbed individuals or the concept of horrific curiosity, like how you want to stare at a car crash and you want to know what happened even though you have no business being there. He also had a reserved quality about him that made people want to impress him more, I think. It didn't hurt that before you would ever meet him, several other people, a lot of them women, would talk up how smart and intelligent and funny and compassionate and brilliant he was. So. Anyway, I was just looking to see if there's any other updates, and I did find one which I somehow missed in the early thing, that Alison Mack also doesn't have to start her sentence straight away. She's starting it on September 29. So some page six tabloid has got photos of her having pizza with her new boyfriend, uh, Little Coyote Pizza. <laughs> they were shopping, think- spotted, spotted lunching, shopping and laughing. She wore a sundress with black boots that covered up her court ankled, court-ordered ankle monitor. <laughs> so she's due to go to court at the, uh, to, sorry, prison at the end of this month. She was sentenced in June, I think, so she had the whole summer. Is this is this like a thing? I've never really heard of this where you just get 
You can go to jail to, when you want. Yeah, just have the summer off. And, you know, I thought usually it's like you go to jail straight away. I guess maybe yeah. for, I don't know, I guess. It I wonder if it's depend. more lenient because of, like, the pandemic. I don't know. Yeah, yeah It's maybe. not like they're, none of them are, like, really, like, violent criminals. Yeah, and they're not likely, yeah, like, they have no other, I'm assuming she has no other criminal record like this and she's <laughs> likely to not do it again. So it's like, I'll go to jail when the summer's over. <laughs> she said in this article, I'm filled with remorse. I renounced Keith Rainier and all of his teaching. From the deepest part of my soul, I am sorry. I wonder if they really are sorry or if they're just saying that because they got like caught. what they're supposed to say. I wonder, if, I, you know, I wonder if they would still be going if all these people hadn't kind of blown the whistle and ratted them all out. Well, apparently there's still people who, like, practice whatever. I wish that there wasn't, like, the stupid... Um, trade secrets thing because no one knows like what nexium actually did yeah in their little meetings and stuff because they had to sign non-disclosure agreements i feel like at this point they should be that void. information should be yeah. out yeah exactly the non-disclosure should be void yeah i can imagine what it is anyway just be a, yeah. whole, a lot of back slapping and how great are we and you know all that type of stuff a lot of women are powerful, which, <laughs> yeah, we are, but you don't need to take me into a room and brand me to <laughs> have me believe that. So we had some really nice reviews again. Thank you, everyone. And we really appreciate it. it makes our day, our week, our month, our year. <laughs> um, the most recent one is from Who's the Boss? It says, hands down, my favorite podcast by far. I don't remember the first true crime case by which I discovered this stellar group of women, but I love being part of this group. Their research, commentary, and downright relatable reactions have me anxiously awaiting the next episode. I feel like people have been really kind lately, like even on Facebook and everywhere, people have been really helpful and kind and nice. So maybe that's a changing tide to how the past year has been, maybe. Yeah, everyone's just like exhausted. It was funny when you read that, because it was like this group of women, I was like, are we a cult? <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Maybe we are. <laughs> Who's the good looking leader? We're definitely not, because no one's paying me any money. But if you guys want to start, I'll accept. But yeah, I mean, that's really it for Nexium. Like I said, we we were going to do two cases in this episode, but then it felt like it would be a lot of information and kind of long. Like at this point, just going through this one, we're at like an hour of talking. And then the other one was kind of long too. So I decided to They're break it into two. Not really related. Like this is a good one. I think a good standalone one. Yeah. Like yeah. we were going for celebrities and then we both picked one. Celebrity ones that were like totally opposite. <laughs> so either next week or the week after, we're going to do, um, if anyone remembers, the shows like Rock of Love with Brett Michaels. There was um, Megan Hauserman that was on that. And then she had the show Megan Wants a Millionaire, which was kind of like a Bachelor type show. And one of the guys who was on that show, who was actually a finalist, ended up leaving the show and brutally murdering his girlfriend. Yeah, so the, that's what we got planned coming up for next time. So. Be sure to come back. Check, make sure you check us out. Instagram, Facebook. Um, we could hit 120,000 followers on our Facebook. So it's so culty, followers. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we're like, are we a cult? <laughs> 120,000 followers on our Facebook page. So we're on Instagram. Just look for True Crime Society everywhere. True Crime Society blog is the blog. I'll pop all this, all the clips up for Nexium so you can learn more, see all the people involved. Um, 
And I'll do, and we've also just created a new blog for the Gannon Stauk updates. If there's going to be a trial, which I think there probably will be, we figured it would be good to just have a new blog. So you can check out the latest updates on that too. Mm-hmm. And leave us a review if you haven't. Only nice ones though. <laughs> Only nice ones though. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> God bless. <laughs> All right. Well, see you guys next episode. See ya. Bye.